Well, hello there and welcome back. I am super excited that you are here and I think you're going to love this episode. Jill Chamberlain is amazing. And uh, before we get started, I wanted to I wanted to talk for just a moment about the challenge that we had last week. It was amazing. It was full of energy. It was full of life. The uh, the get up out of that get up out of that funk challenge for moms incredible. Now, if you missed it, it's all good. You can still get the recordings. Okay. So you can go to www.getupoutofthatfunk.com and that's O-U-T-T-A. I'll also put the link in the show notes, but it's not too late to, to benefit from this amazing challenge. Okay. And also you can get on in on the community as well. So make sure to make sure that you get yourself signed up for it and you can, you have immediate access to all of the videos, all of the lessons. And I really think you're going to love this because funk happens, right? We, we live in a world of 50, 50, 50% desirable, 50% undesirable. Okay. Funk happens. So during this challenge, I walk you through step-by-step and I share all of my tips, tools, and practices for getting up out of a funk. And then by the end of the five days, you will have a toolkit. I call it the good juju toolkit to help you get out of a funk more quickly next time you find yourself in one. So anyway, show notes or www.getupoutofthatfunk.com. I know you're going to love it. Okay. So today's episode is uh, with Jill Chamberlain and Jill has become a really delightful friend of mine. And we met in a, in a health, in a health Facebook group. And I really can't wait to give her a hug and meet her in person. But Jill is a health advocate. She's always been passionate about health and inspiring others to realize that they have the power to enhance their own design. How cool is that? Now, today um, on this episode, we talk about, first of all, I I was really, I I learned that she, I'm a big vision board geek. I love a vision board. I've been doing them for years and I really think they're incredibly powerful, but I hadn't done one with my family until I listened to this episode. She has been doing vision boarding with her family for 10 years. Okay. And she said, it's been an amazing way to, to teach her kids without telling them how to dream and take action toward those dreams. So really super powerful. And you can, you'll love the way that she explains it and all of the, all that's, that's happened for her family since then. And what we really go into is she talks about her journey in really giving herself permission to be her. Okay. Because there are a lot of, there are a lot of shoulds we feel, especially in mom life. Sometimes I feel like being a mom is kind of like being, when you first become a mom, like it's being in high school again, and there's this group and there's this group and then there's this group and you're trying to find your place. But I always smell it. felt like I was a, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole right in the beginning. I didn't know where my place was. And Jill walks us through where she, she shares her journey of really being true to herself and how it has benefited her whole entire family. So I know you're going to love this episode. And is it possible to be yourself and mom life? Let's listen to this episode and you'll see how Jill did it. This is the Vision Driven Mom podcast, and I'm your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, for moms, by moms who believe that anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. 
Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories from moms that have journeyed through motherhood, from fear, loss, and heartbreak, to healing, empowerment, and success. Motherhood is truly the journey of a lifetime, so let's enjoy the ride together. And welcome back to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. I am your host, Tracy Nolan Bierman, and today we have Jill Chamberlain. This is, I'm really excited about this conversation because it's kind of has a little bit of a different twist. So I think you're going to love it too. So Jill, she is very happily married. She's been married for 26 years. She has two amazing kids, 22 and 19. Her background is as a teacher, and she has since worked alongside her husband in their chiropractic and wellness center for the past 28 years. Now she's always been passionate about health and has had the blessing of working in an area where she has the opportunity to inspire others to realize that they have the power to enhance their own design. I love that. We'll have to talk about that. I know the things that she knows the things that make her uncomfortable and scare her a bit are the things that she should do. (laughs) She's been listening to that voice now for about 10 years and taking those uncomfortable steps forward when they appear. She's literally jazzed every single day that she has, that she's on this planet. She loves to laugh, be silly, and have real engagement with those that she chooses to spend her time with. Jill, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much. And I am honored to be here with you. Yes. Great. Well, tell us a little bit. That's kind of a little background, but tell us a little bit about you and how you've got to be on the show today and about our conversations. Yeah. Well, I, as Tracy said, I am very passionate about the human body and all that it can do. We simply just get out of its way. I have found myself in the last specifically five years or so to an amplified level of being put in places where community with like-minded people, whether you believe in the law of attraction or universal energy or whatever your word is, God winks, came to meet Tracy in a similar community, just met that way. And I guess our energies were (laughs) destined to be together. And here we are today. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. What you just (laughs) said, there is this thing about when you change your mind, when you decide what you want and who you want to surround yourself with the people that you, I mean, sometimes it happens out of the blue, but it just, it's really cool how that happens. Yeah. So we had talked a little bit, but first of all, the first thing I want to talk about is your, is in the vision driven moms Facebook group. You mentioned that at the beginning of the year that you do a vision board with your family. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how long you've been doing it? Oh my gosh. So as Tracy said, my son is 19, my daughter is 22. And I'm going to say we began that when my daughter was around eight years old, nine Mm -hmm. years old, then putting my son three years younger. We would just save magazines throughout the year. We would buy construction paper or poster board. And on New Year's Eve, we would go to the grocery store and everybody gets to pick exactly what they want to eat. That was always like the fun thing for the kids. We'd come home, we'd have our individual combined dinner, and then we would drag these materials out. We've saved them over the years, which is just the most beautiful of things. Mm. But what the practice is to sit there that night, go through the magazines, kind of search your heart for things that you wanted to achieve, dreams that you were looking towards 
places, people. My son's always been an athlete. So his in the young years were scoring touchdowns or scoring goals. Oh, I love that. Yeah. My daughter is just a humanitarian, just was always about animals and the planet and how she wanted to contribute to the world someday. Every year thereafter, we take out the previous year, we look at it and we talk as a family, what did we achieve? What came to us? We manifest or however you want to say it. And then we would look at it and go, is there anything on last year's that we didn't achieve that we still want to work towards? So we could kind of cut that one out, put it on the new year. And we hang them in our prospective bedrooms, put them in a place that we see every day. So that when we're walking through the room, or if it's at mine's in the bathroom, my son's was next to his bed. My daughter's was next to his bed. My husband put his over the toilet because when you're in the shower, (laughs) you can see that wall. Oh, sweet. Okay. He's in the shower every morning and he can look at his vision board. And that was just a practice that we've done now. All these years later, kids aren't necessarily around on New Year's Eve anymore when they're older, but we always then would do it the day before, the day after, and continue the practice. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's just the way they were raised, and that's what they know. Yeah. Yeah. So you each did your own vision board. Did you do the big size of vision board? like the? I would say like that big poster board size, like 16 by 20 or something. Okay. Um, And you could write words. My daughter's very artistic. She could draw a picture. It wasn't that you had to cut out of the magazine, but it could be a picture, a word, a place, whatever it was that your heart was calling. You put that on the board to give that energy and power so that maybe that would come to you in the coming year. Yeah. Jill, you are speaking my language when you talk about that. Cause I, my first introduction to vision boards was when I was a kid and my mom, now this was back in the seventies dating myself. I know, but I, I remember my mom had this and it wasn't called a vision board back then. It was just, it was really just a, it was a board about her and the things that she was interested in, but that caught my attention. So it was on this big yellow poster board. There was a a woman, big picture of a woman along the the right-hand side in a pantsuit. And I just, and it said something like, who are you? And it had her name on it and and just pictures that were her. Now we, we didn't do them. I didn't start doing them until maybe 15, 20 years ago, but that really caught my attention that my mom cared enough about herself. I, when I think about it now, I, it caught my attention back then. When I think about it now, I think, wow, she cared enough about herself to put herself on a board in the things that were meaningful to her. What kinds of things came into being for your kids? Yeah. What well, was funny, like I giggle when I think about my sons and his young years, like I said, <laughs> the thing that comes to mind is so funny, but he loves, you know, chicken wings. Like this uh-huh. one of his favorite, favorite things. And he would put like tacos or chicken wings on his vision board because he just wanted more <laughs> in the coming year. But it was for my son, it was always athletic goals and mm-hmm. academic goals to get to a point where he was recruited playing college. So oh, um, sweet. Okay. He, he worked and manifested that one. My daughter's was similar places that she wanted to visit. And she has lived a life as as a 22 year old, as a world traveler, going more places than I've ever been. So whether you connect these dots or not, (laughs) for me, it was more about specifically in the last 10 years, it was more about who I wanted to, and we're going to talk about this, I think, Mm -hmm. who I wanted to undo so I could become. Oh, goodness. um, I love that. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And of course, a place I would love to visit 
My husband's he's self-employed and has been for all these years. So he had some business related goals on there, family related goals, personal, physical challenges. We mm-hmm. both had those doing Spartan races and such. And We've checked those boxes as well. So it's not just putting it on the board makes it appear. Right. You obviously <laughs> have to have a process putting it into action. But even just proclaiming it, I say universe a lot, but just proclaiming it to the universe mm-hmm. lends it the message that you're ready to receive it. And then the work and then the draw. That's kind of how we've lived our life. Yeah. I love that you have been teaching your kids that, and that to dream, you're teaching them to dream and that there is, and here's the thing, not everything does come into being and that's okay. Right. And sometimes the things that don't come into me, God, the universe, whatever it is that you believe in knows more than you do, right. That knows better. (laughs) So the way that I teach uh, visioning and vision boards is that put yourself in the images on the board. This is me. I am going to these places like your daughter. I am achieving these athletic goals like your son, but putting yourself in the board. And then I say with such clarity that you can feel it feels like to be that person, but with an open hand so that God, the universe, whatever it is for you can work the magic or the, what is best. Cause when you, when you were more so tight around something, that's not a good energy that like, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. But when we can be clear with uh, leaving an open hand, it's amazing. I'm going to tell you that my 2020 vision board was amazing. And it's because it was intentional. Yeah. There's, and I'm looking right here because my vision board is right on that wall. So I can see it every single day and study it. I study it and put myself in the images. Now there's a picture of the Eiffel Tower and there's a picture of the Statue of Liberty. Those are two things that we were supposed to do last summer and uh, that didn't obviously, but that's just like a small little part of my board. The rest of it, it was family, right? And it was experiences and so many things right up until the very end of 2020 have come into being. And I haven't done vision boards with my kids. Now they've done little vision boards at school and stuff like that. And that is something that I need to do. And right now I have a vision board masterclass. It's a digital, I used to do them. I was doing them live, which was really great. The energy in the room and everything. But now I teach a digital version and I'll put the link in the show notes, but I haven't done it with my kids, but I have had requests, but I'm going to this year. I'm going to this month. I think it, and it's not to give myself proverbial pat on the back of parenting, but I think it was one of the key things we did the early years of their life, like you said, to, to let them know they're allowed to dream. Yes. Yeah. Because their I think own the, dreams, right, Joe? Their own you know, dreams. Their own dreams, not the dreams that, you know, that we set upon them or yeah. that society or school or friends yeah. or anybody else. I love that. And I would give yourself a pat on the back. Well done, right? (laughs) For starting them early. I mean, that is, that's amazing. And you, I think that way too, you raise more confident kids, even if they have failures, you're raising more confident. They will, they won't meet all their goals and they have to learn that too. But it really gave them an opportunity to know that it was okay to dream because the older, at least my belief is the older we get, the more the world tries to beat us down to change that. Mm -hmm. And it's about having that resilience and that like body armor to know in the midst of whatever everybody's telling me I should do and should have and should be, this is what I want and finding their voice. So I think it was a part of that for them. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you just kind of said it too. Let's talk about that undoing that we talked about because I think that is huge. I really do believe that we come into this world perfect and we still are perfect, but we get covered over by experiences and things that people say and all of these things. It's kind of like a film that's around us. So can you speak into that a little bit? Because I think that's really, really key. Sure. I'd love to start it with a quote if possible. Yeah, One sure. It, it has always resonated and sometimes cracks my voice when I say it. So um, hopefully I won't cry today. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Mm. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Yes. And that is an unbelievably poignant and relative quote to me by Marianne Williamson. I, I love you. Again, you're speaking my language here. Yeah. Return to love was my, I mean, that was like uh, my Bible yeah. back in the 90s. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. keep going. <laughs> so the undoing for me, I don't think began until 40. <laughs> Yeah. And maybe that's commonplace. Maybe we all kind of live in that place where we're trying to figuring ourselves out. We're thinking we should do this or that, or we're trying to make our parents happy. And I remember going to college and wanting to major in something. And then that kind of changed. And I had the voices of my father. God, I love him, but mm, the voice yeah. of what he wanted for me. So I went to college and I tried that major and I was horrifically unhappy. That, that freshman year, I sought out counseling on campus because I was just unhappy and they were like you need to say to your dad what you want to be why are you in college and what do you want to contribute to this world I had little pieces of that undoing but I don't think it really happened until 40 and I remember friends turning 40 before me say I'm now 51 but turning 40 before me and saying it was kind of like my I don't give a beep anymore yeah I didn't say that. I didn't write that. I didn't feel that. It just started to happen. (laughs) And I started to do some things that were way out of my comfort zone. Shook me to the core in fear out of my comfort zone. Mm. And I think when I started taking those steps, I stopped worrying a little bit at a time about the judgment of others. Mm -hmm. And I think I still fall into that sometimes here and there. What will others think? If I say this, if I do this or whatever, but that's when I noticed my openness and willingness to start going, okay, all this stuff that I've allowed to let those layers build over the years, I'm allowed to take off right now. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing yourself. That is key. Allowing yourself and not waiting for someone else yeah. to allow the unlayering. Give myself permission uh, yes. <laughs> to be whatever I want to be and mm. say what I want to say and feel how I want to feel. That was the process from 40 to current day. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. And it's not easy. You still have those the dad voice or oh, yeah. the friend voice or the in my life. And I still don't, I don't like to make waves. I don't like to upset people. I don't like to make people uncomfortable, but then that was making me uncomfortable because similarly with you, Jill, I took a path. So I started college. My major was computer science. That yeah. could not be further (laughs) from me, then I don't even know what. (laughs) And I was miserable. I was like, this is not, I knew pretty quickly. And then I started little by little, like you did. I changed my major and I moved into liberal arts. Oh my gosh. Just 
opened up, but I still followed the, okay, so now I can be a teacher. I can go into teaching and I, it was still the putting myself, I felt for most of my life that I was trying to fit myself. Like I was a square peg trying to fit into a round hole and Mm -hmm. I was not, I just didn't fit. And it was just because I wasn't being authentic with myself. I was listening all of those layers that we were talking about. I was, I had a really hard time and it was the same with me. I think I was maybe 40, 44, 45, maybe when I started going, you know what? this is my life. This is not anybody else's life. This is my life. And that I can live it. I can live it how I want to live it. Yeah. And your kids have been watching you. My kids are, all of our kids are watching us. Now, if they are watching us stay behind those layers, that's Mm -hmm. what they're going to do too, because that's what they learn. Yeah. So think that no matter when you do it, when you start unlayering, Mm-hmm. I think that, or the undoing, as you called it, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that whenever, even if they're out of the house and you're starting now, they're still watching you. I'm still right. watching my mom. And so it's never too late to start letting go. And we talked about those stories too. Can you t- speak into the stories? Yeah. So I have this theory that if there's your story versus your story, and it's how you mm. put the emphasis on the your and the story. We all have a story. Mm-hmm. That's how we got to this point. And that story or, or pieces of it can be used to inspire and educate and motivate and serve and help others. But I think a lot of times we get hooked into the my story, like my difficulties and my challenges and the things that you allow to prevent you from moving beyond the story. So there's value in your story, right? but when you use it to stop you, no value, <laughs> no yes. value. Exactly. So yes, I've always wanted to share my pieces of my story with the hope that this little nugget or that little nugget might just reside in someone and they might remember it and, and maybe it serves them in some way. But I'm never going to use for example, my dad and that moment for college and the degree to prevent me from being who I want to be, I could have stayed in that career. I could have done a job I didn't like for the last 30 years Mm -hmm. because someone told me to. I didn't allow that to become a story that was going to prevent me. Right. So I really think it's on the emphasis of when you say those words. Yeah. The story. So I had, when my son was born, he was premature emergency C-section and he almost died. And then right around his due date, he started screaming his head off with colic, screamed for an entire year. My daughter was born. 17 months after he was born. I was, and he had some sensory issues. So we were kind of in and out of the, the occupational therapist. I had a six week old and I was taking my son back and forth to occupational therapy. And I had to, there was this method of brushing like with a dry brush that helped with the sensory. Yeah, it was amazing. But I was every 90 minutes during his waking hours, I was brushing him and nursing a six week old. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. But I'll tell you, I stayed in that story of victimhood for Mm. way too long. What do you want? You have to think about what do you want attention for? I was seeking the attention of, oh my gosh, that must've been horrible for you. And it wasn't serving me and it wasn't serving other people either. 
until I was able to turn it around. Mm -hmm. And now I can tell the story from a, what I learned and that it was a powering, like the, the whole, I had PTSD. I was on red alert for an an entire year. My body, I didn't sleep for a year. It was something, but I learned so much. And I don't know that I would be here doing what I'm doing right now. If I didn't go through that depth of despair, (laughs) but now I can look at it and tell the story from a place of, you know, non-judgment for myself and without all the feeling, I mean, we can, we can, we can get so deep. You could go so deep in that story about your father in all of those feels. You can get the rapid heartbeat back. You can get the sweaty palms. It's really amazing what we can do with our minds. But I love that the story piece, because we get to choose which story am I going victim or victor. I get to choose. Yeah. And specifically in relation to that college story, when I had kids that were at that precipice of deciding majors and thinking about how they wanted to serve the world in a larger way, because of my story, Mm -hmm. I was able to say to them, you become whatever you want to become. Right. And when those people say, you're not going to find a job, Mm. you're not going to make a lot of money. We were like, Listen, you do whatever you want, as crazy as it sounds, as crazy as other people say that it is, because if you're happy and you're fulfilled, you'll find a way to support yourself. You'll find the money. So I was able to use that and parent my kids in an entirely different way because I had gone through that. Right, right. Where I had friends at the time that were telling their kids what field to go into because that field was listed as a top earning field and a blah, blah, that kind of stuff. Right. And I was just sitting in that moment 30 years ago going, I was there and I'm not going to repeat it. Right. Be you. Yeah. Right. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Your kids, they chose the right mom when they chose you. <laughs> I think we both have things to learn from each other. That's what we say all oh, the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my kids are my biggest teachers, right? They yeah. teach me, they teach me a lot about patience. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your, the work that you're doing. I know you have, you started a Facebook group and it's healthy living with Jill. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your Facebook group and, and what, what you're doing now that your kids are out of okay. the house. Well, my BK before kids, I was a teacher. I I taught health and physical education and I had a degree in athletic training, sports medicine. And I had big dreams in college of coming out and being the first woman NFL athletic trainer and and all that. And my life took a different road. I'm thankful for it every day. So when we had our children, we decided, I, my husband, I wanted to stay home. I wanted to be present. I had been blessed with great parents, but they both worked and I was kind of a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. growing up. And I didn't want that for my kids. So I was able in the last 20 some years to kind of be a part of my husband's practice when I could, when it worked around our family. So I was always still connected to health, shared what we were doing with our children and how we were raising them, which was different than mainstream. People were raising their kids health-wise at the time and mm-hmm. still are. Then I kind of started to find my voice a little louder in the last three, four, five years, where I would not in an aggressive way, but in a loving, sharing way. There's so many things that we can do to 
keep this vessel strong mm -hmm. so that it gets the journey that it's supposed to have on this planet. That we give it the respect that it is due. I started doing that by the way we were living and raising our children, health related to the food we ate, the importance of water, the products mm -hmm. we were using with eliminating toxicity everywhere we could so that we were giving this host the best chance to do its job. Right. Just kind of found my way to that. And the group I just started because I wanted to share. I just mm -hmm. wanted to share on a different level. Social media was here now. And if I posted something and it could change someone's perspective and they could do one more, as I call them, an HPA, health producing action, mm -hmm. then another action. And they're that much closer to health than that much closer to disease. Then I kind of felt like I was serving the world in the way that I was meant to. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at right now through the group that we became uh, connected through the practice that I work in with my husband, through the group that I run on Facebook, and just anybody that's drawn to living a better life and figuring out how to use this body to its best ability. The theory behind it is it's above, down, inside, and out. And most of our society, people look at health from the outside in. Right, so if right. we can kind of work on the inside out, we have a, a much better chance of getting to health and living that vibrant, amazing life that every single one of us should be living right, because right. We, all, we all got that gift. Yeah. If there's not somebody that didn't and somebody that did, it's the choices that we make every day. Yeah. I love that. And I too believe that this body is a gift. Mm. I know it's, you call it the vessel and it's your home. I may be getting a little woo woo. I believe that we're spiritual beings in human form. And this yeah. is, yeah, yeah, bing, bing, bing. This is a gift. So let's take mm -hmm. care of it. The, Jill, uh, this has been amazing. This has been fun. I have loved, we are speaking. I love what you said in the beginning about meeting the people that you align with. Mm. And that's by being yourself, your authentic yeah. self. And I really believe that's how you and I connected with yeah. that authenticity. The show is about possibility. Can you share a story with us about a time where you either achieved something or overcame something that felt impossible? I can go in a couple different directions with this, but I'm going to go to the one that is kind of in line with how I live my life. Mm -hmm. So when my husband and I got together, I had been told by a doctor a gynecologist, if I can say that, that I would probably never be able to have children. I was probably 18 or 19 when he said that to me. My mm -hmm. husband still to this day gets viscerally angry yeah. that somebody put their impression on such an impressionable person at that time like right. that. And so when we got together, I fessed that up and I said, this might be something. And my husband is a faithful man. He doesn't give up. He persevere is his, you know, middle name. No doubt in his mind that it would occur. We had some struggles. I lost a baby at 14 weeks and which was devastating because it was so hard to get pregnant to get, that was the hard part. I thought once I got pregnant, we were in the clear. Right. And I kind of remember that time. Well, I kind of, I remember that time very clearly. And I remember being at home kind of recovering after the miscarriage saying, okay, I'm open to whoever needs and is supposed to come to me in any way, shape, or form that they come. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be through my body. I want to be a mother. This is kind of silly. Sitting on a bed in our very first house after the miscarriage, 
and I was watching the Rosie O'Donnell show. Uh She was a big proponent at the time of adoption because that's how she formed her family. And I remember writing down the phone number of that because I was going to, I'm like days after the miscarriage in an emotional, and I called the number and I like left a message because I wanted more information on the Dave Thomas Foundation, I think it was. And I never got a response. So we kind of picked back up and started trying again. And we were seeing specialists at the time. I got pregnant. And I had my daughter a year and a day to the day of the previous miscarriage. We had to use medical intervention. We did. Right. But I got the soul that was meant for me. I never was so saddened, distraught, like many people are, because I think somewhere in me, I knew that the one that was supposed to come was the one that was supposed to come. Yeah. And then we were blessed with a second. So the possibility of that time was so raw that I didn't think at a moment I would. Mm-hmm. I remember going to restaurants previous to the miscarriage and after the miscarriage, and we would always be seated next to families, mm, right. kids running around, throwing French fries, screaming. And I would leave the restaurant crying because mm. I felt like it was such a slap in the face that I was in these moments knowing that I was having such difficulty. Yeah. And my husband looked at me and it was probably the pivotal thing that changed just the energy of it all. And he said, I don't look at this like it's a slap in the face. God is putting us exactly where we're going to be someday. And we're getting to enjoy the future now, even though we haven't gotten there. And oh, it was like, chills, chill. <laughs> chills. Yeah, yeah. So, but I would have been okay if it had come another way. I had yeah. surrendered that. I knew I was focused with just wanting to be a mother in any way it happened. That's the way it happened for us. Yeah. That, I love that. That was my story. That's yeah. right. That was your story. Yeah. I know you had to change yeah. that story. You had yeah. to change that story in order to have your daughter. And what if that foundation had called you back? What would have happened? Isn't that, I think of that all the time. Yeah. Like I wasn't supposed, that wasn't the way she was coming to me. Right. I had my kids at 41 and just before I turned 43. And I swear that I picked up a book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I picked up the book. I logged my, logging my cycle for seven days And then I got pregnant, but I really think that I put the message out that, and with your husband too, what a great partner to help you to stay in that possibility. Talk about supposing the, who you're supposed to meet and who's supposed to be there to affect change in you or whenever that's ready for you. He's that guy. I love that. I love that. So Jill, how can our listeners get a hold of you? How can they reach out to you? So I'm on Facebook. Facebook is Jill Chamberlain and Instagram is Jill Love 4, J-I-L-L-L-O-V-E and then the number four. And then through that, or if you want to share somehow, or I can give my email out now, it doesn't matter. I'm happy to um, share my personal email, which is Jill, and then a period, L-O-V-E, 
and the number four. So jill.love4 at gmail.com. Okay. I love that. And we had talked about, I will share all of your info in the show notes and you had mentioned, so Jill and I actually met through a young living, amazing Facebook group and team. And you had mentioned that you might have a couple of your personal blend rollers. And I actually, (laughs) I'm going to pull mine out right here. Jill sent this to me not too long ago. It says it's tension. And you don't know this, but I really (laughs) needed this right at that moment when you send it. I was going through some issues with my daughter, but I I really needed this. She was perfect timing. Anyway, Joe would like to, how many people, the first three, I don't know how you want to track that, but the first three that contact you. Well, how about if they contact you? First three, Jill will send you your own personal roller with the Young Living Essential. I'll give you one of my favorites. Yeah. All right. Sweet. And Jill, if there's one action step, one thing Mm. that our listeners can do right now, what Mm. would that be? What would you suggest to them? I think everything, every action we take is rooted in the why behind it. Mm, If you don't know why you're doing something and you try to do it, you're going to fail. The foundation has not been built. And the why has to be something that really, really viscerally connects with you, gives you goosebumps, makes you cry. You yell out a little happy scream, whatever that reaction is. And I think there's an easy, if I can explain this, there's this easy four-step little process to kind of uh, finding the why. So we call it the four P's at Mm -hmm. the office. And the first P is your philosophy, which is your why. So you're going to sit down and you're going, let's say for argument's sake, you want to start eating better in the new year. I'm just mm-hmm. grabbing something. So why do you want to do that? Well, because I want to fit into a five, a size seven jeans. Nope, that's not it. That's right. not it. My, that's not it, my friends. Yeah. So you got to dig and you got to dig and you got to dig. You find that philosophy in the why. And then you are able to find the principles that can support that why. Mm, so okay. in order to achieve that why, what are the principles behind it? And you list those out. And then you find your priorities. So then you list your priorities in that day of trying to follow the principles that's trying to support the why. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is you put it into action. There is nothing that we can achieve in this world if we're not willing to put it into action, right? You've got to take the step and nobody can do it except you. Yeah. But if you have the foundation of the philosophy, why you're doing something, and it's that important to you, you find a way to do it. You wake up 10 minutes earlier, you, you shop and you food prep on the weekend, whatever your thing is, you do it. Right. Because you are connected to the why. Gosh, I eat chill. We are so <laughs> much aligned. Yeah, because it's yeah. not about the size six, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. about the size six. It's yeah. deeper than that. What I do with my clients is, okay, mm-hmm. and until mm-hmm. we really get to the heart of it, until there's yeah. no going further, until yeah. that is it. And I'll tell you, in my business and my why, sometimes I forget the businessy stuff of running my business. But when I get right down to the why and I keep it front and center, I am able to keep going even with the failures mm-hmm. or the, all of the stuff that goes and you help yeah. your husband with business. Your husband is a chiropractor. I am a coach. The marketing and like all the business stuff yeah. is not yeah. my specialty, but right. the why keeps me going through all the that's stuff exactly. that is not the specialty. You know? That's exactly right. 
because there's going to be little asteroids coming at you every day right. and you're able to defend with the shield. Like Wonder Woman, right? Run. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. I love that. Jill, this has been delightful. I am so uh, grateful for you for taking the time for this interview today. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great. Anything is possible, even in the midst of motherhood. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom podcast. Funk happens in mom life. It just does. And that's why I'm holding the Get Up Out of That Funk challenge for moms from March 15th through the 19th, 2021, where I will guide you through a five-day process of getting up out of that funk. And by the end of the five days, you will have a toolkit that you have designed and created by yourself that you can use next time you get into a funk because funk happens. So get up out of that funk, www.getupoutofthatfunk.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. Goodbye for now.